0: An old preacher's story, a good preacher's joke. It's probably not true, but it preaches well. I want to share it with you this morning. About a father who was trying to convince his son not to quit after the son had failed. And the father said to his son, son, you've got to hang in there and not quit. Look at Abraham Lincoln. He did not quit. Look at Thomas Edison. He didn't quit look at Douglas MacArthur, he didn't quit. And then the father said, look at Elmo McCringle. And the son said, wait a minute, Dad, who is Elmo McCringle? And the father said, see, he quit. Nobody knows Elmo McCringle. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, all of us have failed at something. Something. At some point in our life, but hopefully we have the courage not to quit, especially in the Christian life. If we're honest, all of us have failed at some point in our walk with Jesus. We've been unfaithful to him. Maybe we've remained silent when we should have spoken out. We've failed him in many ways. But the good news of the gospel and the good news of our passage this morning is that Jesus offers us forgiveness even when we fail. It's not a matter of if you will fail, it's all a matter of whether you will continue the journey. And to see that this morning, I want you to open your Bible up to Mark chapter 15 and Mark chapter 16 as we conclude our study in the Gospel of Mark. And today what we're going to see is that the journey continues with you. The journey of discipleship continues with you. And there in your program, you should have received an outline like this, and you can see that we're going to look at four things together this morning. We're going to see, first of all, Jesus' burial as we pick off where we left off last week. Then number two on your outline, we'll see the good news of Jesus' resurrection starting in Mark chapter 16. And then we're going to transition to the disciples' responsibility, number three on your outline, and the disciples' response as well. Again, grab your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 15 as we take a look at the last few verses in chapter 15 before we look at chapter 16 as well. We're going to take a look at number one on your outline, picking up where we left off last week, beginning with Jesus' burial, Mark chapter 15, notice verses 40 and 41. John Mark tells us this, and again, remember, the scene is the crucifixion. Jesus is on the cross, and verse 40 tells us There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph or Joseph, and Salome. When he, Jesus, was in Galilee, they, these women, used to follow him and minister to him, and there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem." So again, let's pause here and just remember what we saw last week. Last week, we saw Jesus crucified, Jesus nailed to the cross, Jesus is now dead. And there at the scene of the crucifixion, the camera lens of our mind now focuses in on these specific women who were there observing Jesus' death. We have Mary Magdalene, or Mary who's from Magdala. We have Mary, the mother of James the Less, and Joseph, and Salome, and Salome. And John Mark tells us these women, as well as other women, used to follow Jesus when he was in Galilee up there in the north. They followed him. They ministered to him. And John Mark uh, focuses our attention on these women because they're going to become crucial players in the story. But then starting in verse 42, we meet another person. Notice verse 42 and 43. Also there at the site of the crucifixion. When evening had already come because it was the preparation day that is the day before the sabbath Joseph of Arimathea came a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of god he gathered up the courage and went in before pilate and asked for the body of jesus and so here we see another player in this story Joseph of Arimathea notice he's a prominent member of the council but Positively, he himself is waiting for the kingdom of God. Now we're told here that it's evening and it's the preparation day. In other words, everyone's getting ready for the Sabbath and you can do no work on the Sabbath and the the sun is beginning to set and so in a hurry now, Joseph of Arimathea, he doesn't want Jesus' body to be there on the cross. He gathers the courage, verse 43, and goes and asks Pilate if he can have the body of Jesus. And then notice what happens in verse 44. Pilate wondered if he, Jesus, was dead by this time And summoning the centurion, the one who last week we saw proclaimed truly this was the Son of God, summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was, Jesus was, already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he, Pilate, granted the body to Joseph. And then notice what Joseph does. Joseph bought a linen cloth, took Jesus down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. And so we see here in very clear detail that Joseph of Arimathea, he takes the body of Jesus down from the cross, he wraps it in a linen cloth, he places Jesus' body there in the tomb, and then notice as well, coming back to the women, verse 47, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph were looking on, notice the repetition of that phrase, they were looking on to see where he was laid. Now what's deafeningly silent in Mark's account are the male disciples. Where are they? They're nowhere mentioned. Remember, last week we saw that they ran away. They fled. They're nowhere to be seen. But because of what happens next, their journey of following Jesus will continue despite their unfaithfulness here. Let's take a look at number two on your outline, the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Mark chapter 16. Let's take a look first at verses 1 through 3. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, again, it's the women here mentioned, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? There's a couple things I want you to notice here. Once again, the men are not mentioned. The women are Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. They're the same women we saw earlier. They now come to the tomb. They come to the tomb and they've prepared spices to anoint Jesus' body for burial, a common practice in that day to help really uh, over, um, to, to drown out the smell of a decomposing body. But also, interestingly, notice the question the women raise. They say, who will roll the stone away from us from the entrance of the tomb? This is a very natural question because the stones that cover tombs were very, very heavy. But also notice somewhat disappointingly, again, the men are nowhere to be found, but also the women here, they expect to find a dead body. No one in the story seems to remember the promises, the words of Jesus when he said, in three days I will rise again. Apparently, Jesus' words have fallen on deaf ears. So the women come to the tomb, and then notice what happens when they arrive, verse 4. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away already, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed." Now we know as we compare this account with the other gospels that this young man is an angel. And the the women here, they enter the tomb, they they, they see the angel, they uh, see him sitting there in a white robe, and John Mark tells us that they're amazed. And then notice how the angel then addresses these women in their amazement. Notice verse 6. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. And here's why they shouldn't be amazed to not see a body. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. So again, seeing the women's distress, the angel says, don't be amazed. I think you could insert there in parentheses, not in the text, but remember what he told you? He is not here. He is alive. He is risen. Look where they laid his body. It's empty. The tomb is empty. And this, by the way, is is the greatest angelic announcement ever given. He is not here. He is risen. And the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Paul says, without the resurrection, we are still in our sins. But because of the resurrection, our sins are forgiven. Everything Jesus said is true. Uh, Jesus is indeed the King of kings, of Lord of lords. Literally, the resurrection changes everything. This message of the angel here, he is not here, he is risen, changes the course of human history forever and ever. And that message... He is not here, for he is risen. Is supposed to be proclaimed to anyone and to everyone who will listen. This message comes with a responsibility. And that's what I want us to see as we take a look at number three on your outline, the disciples' responsibility after hearing this message. Notice Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The angel here speaking to the women says, But go, go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. There's a couple of things I want you to see here. I want you to see the grace of that are in these words. The angel here, speaking on behalf of God, says to these women, he says, go, get out of here. Go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I love the words of the late Tim Keller on these This verse, he says this, he says, consider what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, you tell those faithless, backstabbing cowards that I might see them if they grovel. (laughs) Do you see what he's saying? He says, I will see you. I am going ahead of you. I have my movement and I want you part of my movement. Those are words of grace. Notice as well, the angel here again speaking for the Lord says to the women, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Imagine what those words would have meant to Peter when he heard them. Peter, who just three times denied even knowing the Lord. And now these women are supposed to go and tell his disciples, and that includes you too, Peter. Even though you failed me, even though you denied me, I'm not turning my back on you. Jesus is basically saying here, listen, I love you guys, and I forgive you, and that includes you too, Peter. Third thing I want you to notice here is the location. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. To Galilee. Now Galilee is significant because Galilee is where it all began. This is where these men first began to follow Jesus. This is where Jesus first called them. And he's sending them back to Galilee to a fresh start and a new beginning. This angel tells the women to go and to send this message to Jesus' disciples. They will uh, meet Jesus there just as he told you. This amazing message is supposed to be proclaimed, and the women are are told they're given this incredible responsibility to go and share this message. But look what happens in verse 8, number 4 on your outline. The response They, the women, went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Isn't that amazing? The Gospel of Mark, we've seen this throughout the way, one of the unique features of the Gospel of Mark when you compare it to the other Gospels is that, is that Mark is, tends to be very negative on the disciples. And here, we know later as we read other Gospel accounts that the women do eventually tell this message and the disciples hear it and everybody gets excited. Uh, but right now, right here in verse 8, John Mark tells us that at first, initially, the women said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's how the Gospel of Mark, I believe, ends. Now, kind of on a scholarly note here, if you have your Bible, there's probably, starting in verse 9, a little footnote. And if you follow that footnote, it says that uh, different manuscripts of the Greek New Testament in the Gospel of Mark in different ways. There's multiple different uh, alternate endings to the Gospel of Mark, but um, some scholars, many scholars, and I agree with this view, is that the Gospel of Mark originally ended there in verse 8. This is the end of the Gospel. All of the other verses we see, verses 9 through verse 20, were related somewhere, added somewhere else at a later time because it ends so awkwardly, Right? They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So why would John Mark end his gospel this way? If verse 8 is indeed the end of the gospel of Mark, why would he end it this way? Let me read for you a couple of comments uh, from different commentators. Abraham Curavilla, who who preached here not long ago, he says this, He says with the end of his gospel, Mark does not wish that the journey with Jesus ends at this point, but rather he wants it to begin again with his readers, that's you and me, as we commit to undertake the journey of discipleship, following Jesus, obeying Jesus, submitting to Jesus. Another commentator, Eugene Boring, says this, throughout the story of the Gospel of Mark, there has been a non-participant observer who has been with Jesus in every scene. That's you. The narrator has permitted the reader, that's you, to be with Jesus the whole time from beginning to end. And now the narrator breaks off the story and leaves the readers, that's you and me, who may have thought the story was about someone else, but he leaves us now with a decision to make. And here's the decision. Who will take this responsibility to share the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection? Who will be the faithful ones to stand up and say, I am going to proclaim this message? Jesus himself, in other words, is ready to resume this journey of discipleship with you and with me. The journey continues with you another scholar david garland says this the gospel of mark leaves us with unfinished business to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth this ending which is not really an ending becomes a never-ending story as the baton passes on to us to join the race and spread the good news mark's stunning ending raises the question who will tell the story Who will tell the story? The journey continues with you. The women, again, first of all, let's not just knock on the women. The women are there but say nothing. The men are nowhere to be found. (laughs) And that then raises the question in my mind, well, well, what about us? Why don't we, why don't I, even as a pastor, why don't I always have the courage? Why am I sometimes afraid to share this message? Why don't we share our faith? Survey after survey after survey of Christians, when they're asked why they don't share their faith, one of the number one reasons Christians give is because we are afraid. Just like the women in this passage, they're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being asked a question and we don't know the answer and so we're afraid and so we don't share the news. We're afraid or so we say. But if I can be brutally honest with you for a minute, I don't think that's really true. I don't think we fail to share the gospel because we're afraid of saying something and not knowing the answer. Because one of my observations over the last three, four, five years is that we constantly talk about things that we really don't know what we're talking about, right? (laughs) Whether it's politics or medicine or law or whatever, we're constantly talking about things we're not really experts in. We're constantly talking about things and sharing our opinions on social media and and, and all over the place on things that we really don't know the truth. But we're not afraid to talk about those things. So why in the world are we afraid to talk about the one thing we know for sure, and that is how Jesus changed my life. How he has forgiven me of my sins. And this message is a message I want to share with anybody who will listen. No, I think the reason we don't share our faith, this goes back to an article in 2013 by Eric Geiger. He said the reason we don't share our faith is because we have lost our sense of awe and appreciation for the gospel. We have lost our sense of awe and appreciation for the gospel. We're excited about Again, whatever it is, politics, or the Dallas Cowboys, or I hate to say it, the Texas Longhorns after their defeat of my Oklahoma State Cowboys yesterday. We talk about things that excite us. So, why, oh, why don't we talk about the most exciting news that could ever be shared? Listen, the gospel is the one message, the good news that actually matters. That actually changes people's life. And the fun thing, I think, about how the Gospel of Mark ends, it ends in a way that invites us to participate in sharing this message, to join the mission, to realize that the journey continues with you. And there on the back side of your outline, I've given you some application questions for this week. One thing for this week is this, is to ask yourself, how have you failed? And we all have. How have you failed in your journey with Jesus? And do you believe that Jesus will restore you, forgive you with that failure? What is holding you back from following him, from proclaiming this message? I want you to remember as we conclude this series in the Gospel of Mark that the journey continues with you. And listen, if you're here this morning, and, and first of all, if you don't know Jesus, the only thing I really want you to hear me say this morning is, is, is this message, the good news that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross in your place, he paid the penalty that you deserve to pay. But because of his resurrection, we know for sure that that payment for sin that Jesus offered was accepted by God the Father, and now he can freely offer to you grace and forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption. You can leave here this morning in this room or watching online knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are made right with a holy God. And if you do believe that message, then what the Gospel of Mark calls us to do to proclaim that message, to tell other people of who Jesus is and what he has done. The greatest news that anyone has ever proclaimed is that our sins can be forgiven, that we can be made right with God. And I want to invite you, if you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, uh, to have the courage to share that message. How many of you have played the game freeze tag? Come on, really? Like, (laughs) okay, freeze tag, it's a common game. Uh, Okay, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, let me explain to you what freeze tag is. So freeze tag is like normal tag, um, but when you get tagged, you're not out. You just sit down, but then someone who's still in can come and tag you back in the game, right? So when you get tagged out, you're not really out. You just have to get tagged back in and then you get to keep playing. And what we see here is that, like a never-ending game of freeze tag, God has sent each and every one of us on a game, on a mission, of spreading out all over his creation, making more and more followers of Jesus through the proclamation of the gospel. And every now and then, because of our unfaithfulness, we get tagged out. We get sidelined by our discouragement or by our fear. But the journey continues, and my hope and my prayer for you this morning with a sermon from the Gospel of the Mark is to tag you back into the game, to put you back on the mission of sharing this message, because the journey continues with you. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, first and foremost, we do confess our failure. Uh, how often? Because of fear, because we don't know what to say, or... Quite honestly, sometimes because we're ashamed, we fail you. We cower back when we should speak out the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. And so, Father, thank you for this reminder this morning from your word in those two words and Peter that we can fill in our own name there. Thank you that because of Jesus, you forgive us. Thank you that because of the resurrection, you have sent us out to proclaim this message to people who are literally dying to hear it. Uh, Father, by the power of your Spirit, I pray that you attack us back in the game and send us out as ambassadors for Christ, proclaiming the good news of the reconciliation that people can have with Jesus. Uh, Father, thank you, that especially during this season, during this time of Advent we of all people have things to celebrate and to rejoice in. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son so that we might live, so that we might be redeemed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.